But we're seeing more things happening in the SMS arena. And SMS, which is converting higher, you know, and retailers are now trying to figure out their strategy of, okay, how do I approach email versus SMS? And how do I get, you know, really leverage and momentum using both? So again, that's that sort of that 360 view of the customer. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. OSF Digital's Omnichannel Retail Index has become a core resource for retail leaders to benchmark their performance and most of all, identify new ways to improve. Over the past few years, we have seen omnichannel behaviors mature at the consumer level, so now retailers are scrambling to keep pace. Sure, during the pandemic, a lot of folks managed to bolt together solutions to support curbside pickup, drive through services, and so much more, but now many retailers are at the point where they need to refine these experiences and, of course, ensure that they're profitable in the long term. During this week's conversation straight from the NRF show floor, Kathy Kimball digs into some of these core takeaways, how the benchmark for success has changed, and why now in 2023, so many retailers are emphasizing new digital cues and capabilities to make the omni-channel experience more seamless and of course, customer-centric. Listen in to identify what the key trends are and possibly areas where you should invest in the coming year. Kathy, thanks so much for joining me. It's great to have you. Great to be here and great to be at NRF. Yeah, it has been a fascinating show just because the energy is so good. There's so much excitement, but also so many topics, right? I mean, what's the experience been like for you? I think a lot of excitement, a lot of folks happy to be back in New York looking for what should they be focusing in on, what should their priorities be, how to influence their roadmap. So a lot of great interaction, a lot of great conversations happening. And I'm sure that has been super fruitful for you and the OSF digital team. So what has been your presence like? What kind of conversations have you been having? And how has it been sparking some, I guess, inspiration or insight for you just based on your role as executive director of OSF Digital Strategy? That's a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as head of strategy, I handle working with clients, retailers, and brands on identifying opportunities through gaps to start framing out their roadmap, start building their digital strategy, and then also helping them prioritizing. You can't boil the ocean. And I think the thing that happens when you come to this show Mm -hmm. is, wow, there is so so much. much. And it really does boil the ocean. It gets the creative juices flowing. So my job and the role I play in the digital strategy side of OSF is helping people prioritize. So they're leaning in, they're very engaged, The big buzz this year for us that we hear from retailers and brands is customer centricity, which is really refreshing to hear. Mm -hmm. I am an ex-retailer and now I consult, but it's people are really leaning in on customer centricity, which is a fun, fluffy term. Right. But what they're leaning into is, okay, wow, we could be in a recession. Business is tough. 
marketing costs are going up. Mm -hmm. So how can I do more? And that's where we can help from a strategy point of view, identify where they are in their evolution and where to lean in. And it's just great at OSF because we can also lean in then and say from a technology side, here's how you can accelerate. So when you talk customer centricity, it sort of starts at the, maybe it starts at that point of data and customer data and do you have it? How do you use it? And how can you get, make your more loyal customers worth more? So then the next segue is, do you have a loyalty program? Right. And there's a lot of interest and a lot of conversation about loyalty. Yep. And then I've been in digital since 1999. The next step then is data, loyalty, personalization. Yep. And and they all tie together. And when you tie them together, they start to really become very meaningful in terms of conversion enhancement, average order value growth, et cetera. Yeah. I think you bring up a really good point that concepts like customer centricity, loyalty, even omni-channel, right? I feel like this year more than ever, it feels a bit more tangible. Mm -hmm. Like, Like you said, even if there's so many players, there are so many vendors to see, so many booths, there's a lot of emphasis on building that tech stack out and figuring out how do you piece those things together correctly and in the best way for your business, which I think is very meaningful than I personally have seen. In yeah, the past. we've seen retailers who come to the show, go back and say, all right, I want this. But it really is looking at the whole tech stack and where you are in your evolution, even looking at what data you have now as a retailer or a brand mm-hmm. and how do you utilize that data. And loyalty gets a lot of buzz. You know, we have a client who told us recently their marketing costs are up 30% year over year. And, you know, everybody's a little bit nervous about what's going to happen with, you know, cookies and can I still market to my customers. We know loyal customers are worth more. They spend more. It's better to have and retain than try and buy to acquire. But loyalty is different now. And we're doing a lot of work with customers. We do a lot of work on implementation where loyalty isn't about earn and burn and get a discount. It's about experiences. It can be about, we even have a client who's interested right now, and can we make it about sustainability? Bring a bag to the store and you'll get a point. Right, reward good behavior. It rewards good behavior that you're being, you know, sustainability, which is a focus right now in the industry, but it also drives the traffic to the store. Mm -hmm. So to your point on omni-channel, it's also about, it's no longer digital versus store. It's digital drives traffic to store. Store has data that can come back to digital. And it becomes just that beautiful circle. Right. So we've already spoken about quite a few trends. And what I find most exciting and fun about this show from an editorial perspective or a journalism perspective is that it kind of strikes that balance of what happened over the past year especially over the last quarter, right? Like this is kind of the coming out after the holiday season. And then it's like, okay, so what does this mean for the next year? It's kind of the kickoff then. Sure. So I would love your take. I mean, we talked about data strategy and how cookie list issues were were a big concern, rising marketing costs, acquisition costs, and then the need for omni-channel. Are those kind of like the big three, so to speak, of like the trends that really rose to the top in 2022 and will guide 2023, or are there others, or am I missing something completely? I'd say those are the big ones, and I think it's, I think someone said it in one of my panels over the last couple of days, it's mm-hmm. how do you prioritize? Mm-hmm. What do you lean into? 
Yeah, omni-channel is incredibly important, absolutely. And we had a statistic in the omni-channel retail index. We've been doing this benchmarking thing. So valuable. For seven years. Yeah. And what we do with clients is we can report the data across 120 retailers. We can report the data by vertical. So if you're a, a home vertical or you're a apparel vertical, but we can also tell you what's most important in your vertical to what mm. everyone is doing, which is going to be what the customer expects. So if the customer has come to expect and buy online, pick up and store is in 85% of the, of the retailers and brands that we survey, the customer expects that. Yeah. And they start to expect being able to see inventory availability by store. So there are some things there that are very tactical, yep. but they really can raise the customer experience. And your customer will punish you if you don't meet their expectations. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that really stood out to me in our conversations about the index, and obviously we've covered it a few different ways and dug into a few of the topics, is this notion of the barometer or the benchmark, I guess, for success is always changing. Yes. Right. And like we talked about during COVID, like everyone started rolling out curbside, for instance. And now it's not enough to just have it. Like that experience needs to be perfected, especially when you're looking at like a target that's like really like nailed all of the components totally surrounding it. it. But then there are also some really great, in my opinion, emerging areas or like less implemented elements or tactics like social proof, for example. That's a perfect example. It's funny yeah. that you'd lean into that because we advise our clients when we give them an omnichannel retail index report mm -hmm. and we advise them, look for the things that are highly penetrated that you're not doing because your customers will expect it. Right. But look for the things that are not highly penetrated yet, but new and emerging. Yep. So social proof right now is about 20% of the retailers in the index are doing social proof. And a retailer just yesterday said to me, well, we do badges. Right. But social proof now and the technology that's out there now does so much more to make it interactive. So 50 people have this in their cart right now or a bestseller yesterday, mm -hmm. which if I'm an insert, I'm uncomfortable, I'm like, oh, okay, now I'm convinced. Right. Somebody else thinks it's a bestseller. That fear of missing out. Yeah. And yeah. we also know that there's when we advise clients, um, some technology is difficult to implement. Some technology, you know, I have an ex-CIO who used to say it's, you know, one line of code. Social proof is pretty easy implementation, pretty significant conversion lift, yep. and has different value for different verticals, but it works very well and it's coming on. So when we look at our data, and I get a little geeky about the data, so forgive I love me. That. But when we look at the data, we're looking at where is this today? Mm -hmm. So I would think if I was sitting here talking to you a year from now, We'd be telling you that social proof today was 20%. A year from now, it might be 50% of the retailers are doing some sort of social proof. All right. You heard it here, folks. So beyond social proof, anything else that you think will really see some gains? I know it probably depends on category, right? It depends greatly on category. You know, it's funny because curbside actually went down in penetration. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. You know, COVID drove it up and then it came down and we saw things settling out. I think we're seeing a lot in the marketing arena as well. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a lot coming on strong and A, people always want to acquire email address, but we're seeing more things happening in the SMS arena mm -hmm. and SMS, which is converting higher, you know, and retailers are now trying to figure out their strategy of, okay, how do I approach email versus SMS? Yep. And how do I get, you know, really leverage and momentum using both? So right. I, again, that's that sort of that 360 view of the customer of how I touch her 
Mm-hmm. And I always say her, I'm sorry, but no, there are guy a, shoppers. Yeah, okay. yeah. But how do I touch her? How do I market to her? You know, so SMS versus email. You know, those are great channels mm-hmm. to drive traffic. And then how do I then bring the circle back of what did they buy and how do I personalize to them? So I think it's the trifecta, I would say, is omni-channel, customer centricity slash data, personalization. Yeah. And social proof is one of the tactics Underneath. that can help lift your platform. Mm-hmm. And then we're guiding customers. So when we come back with this big gap analysis, we can then guide the customers of, all right, here's where your platform is not doing this. And perhaps the platform is capable you haven't just implemented. Or sometimes we tell the client, it may be time based on your growth and evolution. Right. It may be time to, when do you start to look for another platform? which is a pretty monumental decision. Right, absolutely. Especially as you think about orchestrating that journey and the different elements. So your point around SMS with email really resonates because we've been covering SMS a lot and it definitely seems to be like not an either or, but an and. But like marketing comes into play because it's like, okay, well like how do we allocate that budget and like how do we prioritize to your point earlier? So it's kind of like a full circle, I guess, moment for retailers and specifically marketers. That, sure. like, we need to be everywhere, but how do we orchestrate the journey and yeah. how do we prioritize in the best way possible? Well, we, I was joking with another retailer, and I've been in the space since 99, in the digital space. And in 1999, it was really simple and it was right. sort of one size fits all. It's not one size fits all anymore. So when you're make, you know, doing your email strategy, your SMS strategy, who's your customer? Are they Gen Z? Or I even heard, you know, Gen A. I was like, wait, what's Gen A? Oh, Alpha, yeah. Yeah, so are you Gen Z or you Gen A? You know, who is your customer and how do you then market to her? And if you have multiple generations you're marketing to, can you tailor your outreach accordingly? Mm -hmm. So in 1999, when I started in e-commerce, one size fits all worked. Now, technology, you know, look at this show, it enables so much more. The universe is so much more complex. And guess what? The revenue that's happening in digital still continues to grow by leaps and bounds yeah. and influences stores. Right. So I have to ask, I mean, how are your clients, your even your prospects, right? Like, how are they responding to the benchmark results and the metrics that your team shares? Are they surprised by anything? Are there any rude awakenings, I guess, like as far as where their priorities are and maybe like shifts that they need to take as a result? Typically they want the benchmark because they want to know where they were. Right. And, yeah, and yeah. for us, it's it's a moment of how we deliver it to because you don't want to tell someone their baby's ugly, <laughs> but sorry, sorry to my clients no, I out lo- there. I, lo- I love that. But you want to tell them where the problems are and what that benchmark does, because it's not just about the numbers. We're going to give you a number that says you're missing this, mm-hmm. but we're going to show you what good looks like. So right. recently a CEO said, best presentation I've ever had is I don't understand technology, but you showed me mm. what good looks like. Yep. So I think we tell them, we show them what good looks like, and then it really starts a conversation. And that's the last thing we do in the benchmark is, here's where you're deficient. Here's what, how we would prioritize right. knowing you, our client, these things, either ease of implementation or greatest lift or long-term strategy. So we will work and have that conversation. So what's really great about the benchmark is it starts that conversation. Yeah, and it's not just the data, it's how do we turn this 
data into something tangible Actions. and meaningful for Me our business, which I think Absolutely. is really important. It's often the missing piece, personally. Yeah. personally. Well, that's why you know, I think the people, again, we went over a lot of data here, mm -hmm. but what we do when we do a delivery with a client, we have something we call a, a micro. So okay. we had someone stop by and ask me, well, what is, can you help me understand what this looks like? And I'm like, you know what? I can tell me your brand and we can get to you and give you a micro version so you can get a taste mm. of what this might look like. And because a picture is worth a thousand words. Yeah. So that goes back to why it resonates when you say, show me what good looks like. And we use the term best practice a lot. Mm -hmm. And we use the term table stakes. If you're not doing BOPUS, you're not doing table stakes. Yeah, I like that that nuance and that distinction. I think that's really important. So you mentioned the C-level a few times. So as far as like what the committee looks like for consuming this information, seeing what good looks like, is it largely the C-level that is driving this? So it's top down or like who has a seat at this table? It's interesting because the seat at the table, the people who would bring us in mm -hmm. might be the... VP of digital. Okay. Might be a director in digital who says, you know, I get help me with my roadmap. Yeah. But, you know, in a lot of our examples, we have done the readout, as we call it, with the VP of digital who says, wow, there are so many things in here. Could you take this presentation, narrow it down by an hour or two hours, and can you present this to the C suite of my company? So right. we did a presentation a week ago to 17 people in a company. So we had, and it was interesting because it wasn't just the digital team, it was the marketing team, the creative yeah. team, the CIO, the CFO, and because they were like, well, okay, we can learn from this and it is cross-functional. Mm -hmm. And that's something we learned with digital, that it is very cross-functional. Right. And the more you've got cross-functional understanding and buy-in, the easier it is to sell in why you need to do something. Right. And I don't want to force you into any generalizations, but I'm curious if, even if there are just like some overarching trends that you've seen, are there any like pain points or like challenges that these organizations need to tackle or face after kind of doing, going through the assessment process? Like, is it like, oh, but we want to get to there, you know, whatever there is, like that ultimate experience. But we need to tackle these like fundamental issues or like these foundational organizational issues. Like, is there anything that is rising to the top right now or is it pretty different and you can't it really comes up anything? in almost every engagement that this is here's a gap analysis. Here's what you need to do. We can even say here's the technology that will get you there. Mm -hmm. But then the last thing that's always not missing, but we make sure we cover is how are you going to get this done? And it's the bright, shiny object at the show of, I can get capital dollars to maybe invest, but do you have the, the assets and the people and the skill set to make this really sing? Right. So we've worked with a client who said, you know, I invested in this amazing platform and I didn't get the results out of it I expected, but that was because they didn't invest in the change management mm -hmm. and the process mapping and understanding the process, not to diminish, the people. Right. So we try, one of the things that we do at OSF Digital is try to always have that end-to-end -end point of view. Right. Uh, it, you know, it might start with a gap analysis, we help you solve for it, but we also don't want to just dump it in your lap and walk away. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> and we're here a lot, and I, again, I'm very tactical, Change yeah. management sounds very fluffy, mm -hmm. but it's not fluffy when you think about it's a process change. And let's outline how the process change. Roles and responsibilities change. Right. And I, I loved, I used to have a CEO I reported to, 
And I was like, the website doesn't look like that by magic. There's a lot of pressure right now on content, for example. Yes. So, yeah. you know, again, I think COVID started to put pressure on content when people couldn't go into stores. It was like suddenly waking up and it's like, I need to have better content. Right. I need to have better images. I need to have 360 view. So I think there are some of those hot buttons right now mm-hmm. that they're not high strategic like customer centricity. But if you talk about loyalty or you talk about personalization, it puts greater demands on content. Right. agree. And it's interesting because it's not just like finding out what you need, you know, in terms of tech, in terms of content or tactic. It's like, okay, well, who is the right person to create this or provide it? Like what skills? And like, I know at this show, a lot of emphasis is on, you know, the workforce, largely like from the store level, but also some conversations around like within the organization, right? Like how are we empowering our teams? Like what upskilling are we providing? Like how are we forging a path for them in the organization to uncover those new opportunities and new ways to help our business be better, which I think is an interesting, I guess, connecting point through all of the different topics here. Well, it's a great opportunity for a retailer or brand to make really engage their employees mm-hmm. in career growth and career opportunity and how much more can they do and learn if you're willing to take a chance and expose them to different things. And that's why I love the digital space because it is always evolving. Yeah. Stores evolve not quite as quickly, yeah. but it's the digital space is evolving at such a crazy clip mm-hmm. that it's great fun. But I think what's hard is you know figuring out which bright, shiny object you want to go after and you can't do them all. Yeah. You can't do them all. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of bright, shiny objects, are there any particular technologies or areas that you're especially jazzed on or excited to see how they evolve over the next year? It's interesting. We talked a little bit about sustainability. So interesting that, you know, I think in the index, the numbers were like 64% of our retailers in the index are doing something on sustainability. So I'll be curious to see how they land. land. So we'll watch that. We're watching re-commerce, which is a new trend, very fun. In the outdoor space, people in the outdoor space are probably leading the pack. Patagonia, the REIs of the world are leading the pack of re-commerce. So we're actually doing a benchmarking. We're just wrapping up on re-commerce and what's best practices there. Yeah. So really interesting because two years ago, I don't think anyone was talking re-commerce, but now we've got... We looked at 40 brands that are doing re-commerce. So we've got some really cool things that we're looking at there. So we'll be able to guide. And then there's that wild, weird thing, the metaverse out there. (laughs) So I'm jazzed personally about loyalty because I think it's just a huge opportunity. Yeah. But, you know, the new shiny objects might be the metaverse, might be re-commerce, depending on your vertical. Yeah. Sustainability, I think, crosses all verticals. Right. And there are some really interesting connecting points between all of those things, too, which makes retail so fun. Yeah. And I think the metaverse is cool. As long as you've got, when you get into it. Yeah. And we had a slide yesterday and I said, listen, look at the retailers on this slide. It's Gucci. Walmart. Mm-hmm. It's Claire's. You know, 900, yeah. you know, 900 stores, I think. Chipotle. <laughs> it's Forever 21. Yeah. So people are getting into the metaverse, but it's can you get in and are you learning? And it's not just, you're not getting in you want to have fun. You want to get in and sell. Right. So it's how are you tracking, how are you measuring, and how are you finding ways to sell if you are on the metaverse? Yeah. And connecting with your customers. So maybe it's that 360, again, customer centricity overarching theme that I'd lean in yep. on. That's the foundation of it all, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Awesome, Kathy. Well, this has been so fun. 
It has been a real pleasure digging into the data with you, talking trends, and we'll keep an eye out to see how everything we talked about today evolves over 2023. Yeah, you can hold me to it next year if I'm sitting here with you. We'll come come back back. around (laughs) in this spot. Well, not this spot, not our same booth number, but at NRF, and we'll see how everything shook out. Excellent. Thanks so much. Thank you, Kathy. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you have any thoughts, feedback, or questions for us, leave us a comment, leave us a review, drop us a line on Twitter at our touchpoints or on LinkedIn at Retail Touchpoints. And we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Let us know what you think on your preferred podcast player. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, frankly, anywhere else. But until then, that's it from us, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.